One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. It's a movie about the desegregation of schools. One particular school has to now find a way to unite, even though racial tensions continue in the 1960s. Blacks and whites have to learn what it means to play together on the football team to win games. In this episode of Groundwork, we want to talk about God's plan of uniting Jews and Gentiles into one new humanity and how that is a great blessing for us all. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are midway through. We're in part three of a six-part series on the book of Ephesians. In chapter one, we learned that God had a plan to redeem all things way before he created all things. It's interesting that God had a solution way before there was even a problem at Mm. the fall. And then in chapter two, those words that we think are cliche, saved by grace through faith, we find out that there's so much rich meaning there for us. And we found meaning in them, even though we say them all the time. And now, uh, as we move into the third chapter, and again, this is, this is the middle chapter uh, of this series, there's a lot of good stuff here, too, for us to dig into. One of the things we said in one of the previous programs, Daryl, I think it was uh, your idea, this image of uh, God sort of being like a master chess player. Yep. And God can see the whole board. And he's always a hundred moves ahead of you know his enemy or any anybody else. So God has had a plan all along, and as we're going to discover once more in this third chapter of the letter to the Ephesians, it's a plan that went beyond Israel, and it went beyond the Jews to include the whole world. And I think too, Scott, that this passage speaks to anyone who has never felt like they belonged anywhere. I remember times in my life in adolescence or in young adulthood when I felt like I just didn't fit in. Culturally, I didn't fit in. Ethnically, I didn't fit in. Familially, it was just really challenging to find places where I connected. Where are my people? Where is my tribe? Where is my? Where do I belong? Where do I fit? I felt like a misfit. But then when I started getting connected to fellow believers in Christ, I realized that, oh, okay, these are my people. These are the ones that I have something in common with. These are the ones that are going to sharpen me and care for me and I grow with. And the new humanity that Paul is talking about in Ephesus right here, this humanity of how two have become one, this is our new family, and we have some belonging there and some welcome because God is welcoming us in. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that in the ancient world, in the time when Paul was writing this letter and doing his work as an apostle, there probably weren't too many walls of division that were seen as more impenetrable as the one between Jews the people of God, Israel, and non-Jews or Gentiles or Greeks, uh, as they are sometimes referred to. So in this third chapter, Paul is going to say that he had a special calling to make that impenetrable wall penetrable indeed to get rid of it. And so he says here in 3 verse 2, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. It's a mystery, Paul says. I like that. Yes, and and that mystery probably would have blown every Jew's mind and read it because they're like, what? 
Jews and Gentiles together. And God had been talking about this plan to redeem all of creation for all of history. He wants to make sure that we understand, and actually the Jews understand, that you're not put in a superior position. You're not even more special than them because of who you are or what you're doing. We've seen in history when things have gone wrong because people have felt superior based on nationality, based on elitism, based on status and social Mm -hmm, context, mm -hmm. caste systems. We've seen superiority damage people, subjugate people, and hurt people. I think about the Jews in World War II. I think about chattel slavery before Civil War. You see what happens when people take this special position to the extreme. Exactly. And it's interesting, Daryl, that here, but elsewhere in the New Testament, and uh, you see this in the book of Acts as well, Paul has to make very clear that this mystery— that, you know, we're going to have one humanity, there won't be any difference between Jews and Gentiles anymore. That was given to me, he says, by a revelation of God. So he has to say that because, as you said, a lot of people, including mostly among the Jews, would have thought this was such a foreign, crazy idea, they were tempted to reject it. So Paul has to say, no, this was a direct revelation from God. I got this word from God himself. So unless you got something to counter that, there it is. That's my authority. And we know from the book of Acts, for instance, that even the apostles took a while to come around to this. They were suspicious of Paul. They weren't sure about the Gentiles. They had this huge argument that, well, the only way Greeks or or Gentiles, non-Israelites, non-Jews, the only way they can get in good with God is to become a Jew first. So they have to get circumcised if they're a male. Then they got to follow the food laws. They got to become an Israelite. Then they could be a Christian. And eventually they put that all away. But it took a major conference in Acts Acts 15, 15, the first synod or general assembly of the church, uh, where they had to figure this out. What tipped the balance was, well, the Holy Spirit's working among the Gentiles. So... That's that. Uh, Paul's right. This is a revelation from God to make one humanity out of everybody. Well, it shouldn't have been a surprise to him because God has been replete with reminders mm. and promises. Like in Genesis 12, he tells Abram, listen, I'm going to make you a blessing to all the all nations of the earth. And then Isaiah 49, 6 says, I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation shall reach the ends of the earth. You already mentioned the book of Acts and Pentecost where we see all these different languages happen from these people from Galilee. And even in the book of Revelation, you have every tribe, language, people, and nation worshiping the lamb. And so it really shouldn't be a surprise to them. But for some reason, because of the cultural way that they were going, they just missed the mystery. Yeah. Even Paul calls it a mystery. This is new stuff, right? It seems mysterious, but it really isn't. And as you said, and and we harked back, I think, in one of the first episodes in this Ephesians series to a recent series we did on groundwork on Jonah, who was the perfect example of an insular Israelite who didn't want to let anybody else in the club, including the Ninevites, you know, that he was called to preach to. Jonah stood for all of Israel. They had become an elite club uh, because they forgot, as you say, the prophet said, you're going to be a light to all the nations. All nations will be drawn to the shining of your light, right? It's all through the prophets. And yet they forgot. They kind of liked that dividing wall of hostility we looked at in the last episode. Paul says, nope, Jesus came to knock it down. And he has called me to be the one to preach this to the world. And we'll look a little bit more at that aspect of the mystery in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. 
If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. Uh, And Daryl, Paul's talking about a mystery. Uh, The mystery that, as it turns out, there aren't going to be any distinctions among people anymore, including one of the biggest distinctions in the ancient world, Jews and Gentiles. Now, we know from other uh, writings of Paul that, uh, like in Galatians, he'll expand that more. There's also no difference between slave and free, which was a huge difference back then. Males and females, nope. And Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Greeks. And so that's the mystery, and he's going to go on to talk about that in the next few verses. So it says in uh, verse 7 here, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless ridges of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Man, a few things stick out to me when I see this guy. First, Paul's humility is off the charts. I can't believe that he would say, I'm the least of the least of all of these. I mean, come on, Paul, you are a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. You're born in the tribe of Benjamin. You have 13 epistles that you wrote. I mean, like all of these things, caught up to the third heaven, speaking in unknown languages. You mean to tell me you feel like the least, but I think it's a it's a, the humility for him to know that like he wrote in Philippians 3, uh, It's all rubbish. Knowing Christ and being a child of God is the focus for Paul, because if he believed his own press, I think he'd be in trouble. (laughs) I think that's right. But, you know, it's interesting, too. I mean, so that's interesting all by itself, what you just said. So here Paul is, he's writing to Gentiles, right? He's writing to people in Ephesus, but he'll be equally blunt when he writes to Jewish people. And what he's basically saying is, you thought you got saved by being, by your Jewishness, by being a good little boy, a good little Pharisee. Mm -mm. It's nothing. It's nothing. Uh, I was that. I'm here to tell you I'm the least of the least. I'm the last of the last. And I do wonder sometimes, Daryl, if a lot of that – I mean, so, so some of this is just good Christ-like humility. But I do think Paul was probably haunted a little bit by his memories of the time when he was a persecutor of the church, the lead persecutor of the church, yeah. we're told in the book of Acts. Saul, as he was known then, Saul of Tarsus, was a feared figure. If you saw him coming down your street and you oh, were yeah. a Christian, your knees knocked uh, because this man dragged women off to jail and by their hair. He, he beat people up. He stood there and approved when a, a dear deacon named Stephen got stuck 
stoned to death right. in front of his very eyes. I think Paul felt pretty haunted by by that. That's what his hyper Jewishness, his hyper Phariseeism led him to. And he says, man, if I did all that, I, I tried to wipe the name of Jesus from the face of the earth. That's who I was for a long time. And that makes me the lowest of the low. So he's being humble, but I think in his own soul, he thinks he's just being honest. And I think that he has the humility to remind himself of what he was before mm. he was a believer. And what's beautiful about that is that God has given him a special grace to know exactly what his call is. Mm. So he is called to preach the gospel to Gentiles. He went, remember, he tried to go to the Jews and they were like, wait, this dude was persecuting yesterday. <laughs> so they were like afraid of him and the conversion was so sudden. It was like yesterday he was fighting us and today he's preaching Christ. Well, wait a minute. So the Gentiles, he decided to go to them. And since the Ephesian Christians are mostly Gentile Christians, this is good news that includes them as well. I like that story from the book of Acts, you know, after um, the Damascus Road thing and Paul's blind for a while. I can't see Three a days. thing, right? And so God calls on, on this Ananias to go. He says, hey, Ananias, uh, Saul of Tarsus, you've heard of him. He's staying down the street. Uh, go and talk to him. I think he's he's going to go join our side. And, and Ananias is like, <laughs> did I hear you right? You want me to walk up to this Christian killer? Could you repeat that? But of course he did go. That's the thing. He switches from the person who wants to stamp the name of Jesus off of the face of the earth to somebody who wants to stamp the name of Jesus onto the earth. And in every part, he becomes the Johnny Appleseed of the early church. Everywhere he goes, he plants a church, primarily not among the Jewish people, um, but among everybody who wasn't a Jew. And that's the mystery, uh, that, that God called him not to go preach to the Jewish people. There were people like that. Matthew, we you know, think, wrote his gospel directly to a Jewish reading audience right. to convince them. Peter spent a lot of time and the other apostles talking to Jews, convincing them Jesus of Nazareth is the one you've been waiting for as Messiah. Not Paul. He had a very specific task, and it involved everybody who was never before connected to Israel. I love how you brought up that incident with Ananias. He says, Ananias says, you mean the guy who was persecuting us? Mm -hmm. And God says, no, he will be my chosen instrument and he will suffer much yeah. for my sake. And Paul is writing this book of Ephesians, this letter of Ephesians to encourage these Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. Mm -hmm. He's one who knows the beatings. He's one who knows the floggings. He's one who's probably jailed up right now as he's writing this right, letter right. on house arrest. And everything that he is doing is so that people will see that Christ is the way, that the mystery of the gospel, he believes it so much, he's willing to give his life for it. And hopefully it would encourage them to keep their faith in, in trying times, Scott. Yeah, Paul the persecutor became Paul the persecuted. God just basically said um, uh, he'll get a taste of his own medicine, but uh, for my glory. And, and, and Paul saw it all uh, as part of the glory of God. There are tests. There are trials. There is persecution. The Ephesians knew that too. And, uh, you know, in, in the next program, when we move into Ephesians 4 and 5, we're going to see Paul telling the Ephesians uh, all kinds of things that everybody else in Ephesus was doing, but that they couldn't do anymore. They probably got made fun of for that. You know, people look down their noses at them for that. That's not easy, you know, even just facing social opprobrium and out being an outcast in your own uh, city. But it's worth it, Paul says, because it's all for God's glory. It redounds to God's glory because it's all about the, the mystery of God's grace. 
And that mystery is not just made known to their local neighborhood and mm. their city. It's been known to the world. It's also been known to the cosmos. It says that his eternal purposes were made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So God's telling it to everyone everywhere. He's not ashamed of us, and we need not be ashamed of him. We're going to conclude this episode by looking at Paul's beautiful prayer to the Ephesians. So stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork. And this is episode three uh, in a six-part series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which means we're right in the middle of the series, Daryl, in the third chapter. And so far, we've seen uh, the revelation of a mystery, as Paul calls it, that God is uniting into one new group, Jews, Gentiles, Jews, Greeks, everybody, uh, into one new humanity. God wants all people uh, included. And Paul wanted the Ephesians to know that that's part of them, too. So the mystery has been solved, Scott, and the case has been closed, but Paul does not want them to miss this. So Mm. he ends up saying a prayer in this chapter for them. And the prayer reads like this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love it. I love it. (laughs) That's a prayer. It's a second prayer uh, that we've had in this book, and they are both beautiful. There was a prayer earlier in Ephesians where he asked for the eyes of their heart to be opened. To, to see the beauty and the mysteries of God and of God's grace. But this prayer is, is lovely. I kneel before the Father, and just to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, just to be strengthened in your inner being, he says, I want God's love to fill you up. I want God's love, which finally surpasses knowledge, he says. Yes. You know, I mean, I want you to know this, but you can't really know this, right? You need to know this, but in knowing it, you're going to know how much you don't know um, because it's that big. It, it's just that big, that beautiful. It'll just fill you up. So being lost in the sea of love, basically, I mean, the idea is that God is expansive. And his love for us never ends. It's overflowing. I think that in hard times, we can remember how long and how high and how wide and how deep his love is for us. 
And being rooted and established in that love helps us to face trials, helps us to face difficulties and setbacks. We had a time where there was a pandemic and we needed to trust God even more in those hard times. We had political tensions. We have racial tensions going on. All these things are kind of a perfect storm. And we need to be rooted and established in the love of God that bands Christians together that have many differences, but they're under one banner, Christ. And that should be encouraging, even in trying times. Singer John Denver, I mean, granted, this is a romantic love ballad, but I remember John Denver uh, had that song years ago, you, you fill up my senses, you, know, you, you just fill me to the brim. And that's what Paul wants to happen for the Ephesians and for everybody, just to be filled up to the brim with that knowledge that, as we just said, uh, surpasses knowledge. And boy, he, he really, as you just said, Daryl, he, he really piles it on. You know, it's how wide, how long, how high, how deep in every direction, uh, as far as you can go in every direction, up, down, and all around. That's the love of God. It's boundless. It is as big as the universe. And somehow you got to start working on knowing that. And I do think something you um, uh, alluded to, I think, a minute ago, Daryl, doesn't it seem like when you're talking about the pandemic and stuff, doesn't it seem like if we really focused on the love of God in this way, if we let it fill us up, that a lot of our little human arguments would go away or the things that annoy us about each other? I mean, if we really, really, really all wanted to try to know the unknowable in terms of how big God's love is. I think it might help us in a lot of ways. It would have a lot of good side effects. Yeah, the Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins. Mm. And so if I am letting this love wash over me, in me, through me, around me, then I can't help but exude that love to people around me, whether they deserve it or not. I think that all of those things would begin to wash away and we could actually show love, grace and mercy, forgiveness and truth to each other in a way that will build us up instead of us thinking our knowledge builds us up because Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Mm. And not only does the, the love that build us up, it's about being loved by someone. So because God set his plan in place way before the foundations of the world to include us into this new humanity, solving the mystery that Paul's preaching about he wants us to know, Paul wants us to know that God loved us that much that he wanted to include us in that plan. That's a beautiful thing. It is. I think we've mentioned this before on Groundwork, but there is sort of the, an age-old question, theological, philosophical debate. You know, why did God create the world? Well, he couldn't have been under any external pressure to do it, right? I mean, God being God, God is self-sufficient. God didn't need a creation. God is everything God needs. God already has just being God. Right. <laughs> so, well, why did he do it? Well, you know, theologians have gone on and on about it, but I think the best answer that anybody's ever come up with is that what compelled God to make the world love. There was so much love among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that what, what in the Eastern Orthodox tradition they call the perichoresis, from which we get our word choreography, dance. This, this dance, this dance. That's why in the Eastern Church, the Trinity is not a triangle, it's a circle. Mm -hmm. And people say, what's a circle got to do with three? Well, it's the three of them chasing each other around in never-ending love, right? They had so much love, they said, you know, we ought to share it. We ought to share this. So let's make a universe with people and tadpoles and, and bobcats and who knows what all, to share the love of God in ever wider circles. We were created out of that love. We are now redeemed out of yes. that love, and we are headed to dwell inside that love, like being wrapped up in a blanket for all times. And that's a beautiful thing. And as we conclude this episode, we think about how Paul, 
he gave this little act of worship at the end. He had his own little private worship service with the last few verses that he concluded his chapter. And it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that is something that I have used as a benediction, as a blessing. Paul really has it here almost more as a a doxology, a doxological statement. That's from the the Greek doxos, uh, glory, logos word. This is a glory word. It's a glory word. So it's a doxology, like we sing at the end of uh, services. It's a benediction. Uh, It's a blessing. And just, yeah, mind-blowing. He can do more than we could ask or even imagine. I love it that he included imagine there. You can't imagine your way past God and indeed to him be the glory in the church forever and ever. Thanks be to God. Thank you for digging deeply into scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study Paul's teachings for how to live according to our new life in Christ found in Ephesians 4 and 5. Connect with us now at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you would like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.